What's up, guys? This is Casey Just Claire. We are in the One More Round studios. We got a jam-packed show. We've we've been doing these these different podcasting episodes, uh, sort of separated, but now we've got the whole band together in studio. We've got Damien St. Pierre to my right, uh, Richie Mod here on the, the back end of the room, Mellow working the controls as always. Um, we've got a lot going on here tonight. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. NBA free agency is going to be starting. Um, heck in about an hour or so but already a lot of stuff has happened um, we're going to detail some of that for you in just a minute as well we're going to have Stephen Lyons in studio to talk about his uh, boxing career and some of the things he's doing to give back to the community Stephen is doing an excellent job trying to reach out to uh, some young people in the community give them a role model give them something to strive for and uh, at the end of the show, LSU basketball, my goodness, they got a wonderful commitment today from Javante Smart, a five-star player, the first five-star player in state that they have gotten since Brandon Bass. That is an awfully long time for LSU basketball. We're going to do that and uh, talk about some LSU football as well, some of the things the Tigers are working on. Uh, but we're going to start with NBA free agency. This is breaking news right now. We're recording this one Friday night, so this is just happening right now. Um, and sometimes in the NBA, there, there are these rumors and, and different things, but, um, this sort of happened out of nowhere. Paul George was rumored to go a lot of places, uh, Boston, Los Angeles, Houston. He's going to the Oklahoma city thunder. The Pacers have traded him to Oklahoma city for, um, Victor Oladipo and, uh, the Sabonis kid that they drafted last NBA draft. Uh, fellas, I'm going to bring this to you guys. My first thoughts are. If the asking price for Paul George is Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, why were more teams not involved in these sweepstakes? It feels an awful lot to me like this is not a very uh, good price to pay for Paul George. I mean, uh, this is a wonderful player. I understand it's probably a rental, but uh, I I feel like the the Thunder probably won this trade. I agree. Uh, Paul George is going... Okay, I guess sticking to basketball... How does Paul George fit the Thunder? Russell Westbrook is uh, a ball-dominant player. Paul George is primarily a defensive guy. D- is this going to work? Is this going to actually make them a title contender? I don't think it will. I don't, I don't believe that to be true at all because anybody that can work, anybody that comes in is going to have to deal with uh, 50 shots per quarter from Russell Westbrook. Paul George is used to being the number one guy in Indiana. In my opinion, the asking price was so low because I believe Paul George was about to shut the door on the paces. And doing in doing that, they pretty much had to take everything that was offered. I think Paul George's agent probably did a good job of just getting him out of there. That that was the ultimate goal. He did a good job of, of receiving his ultimate goal. Can Westbrook and George work together? There's only one basketball, right? Right. There's one basketball, five people, and Westbrook doesn't like to share it whatsoever. Paul George has long been rumored to be a Los Angeles Laker. Russell Westbrook has long been rumored to be a Los Angeles Laker. Richie Mott, this feels like a one-year audition in Oklahoma City to see if this is going to work before they go to Los Angeles, doesn't it? I agree. 
You're killing me, Mott. You're absolutely killing me right now. Damon, can you offer a little more than what my man in the back of the room just did? Casey, I feel like you're a dentist trying to pull teeth to get comments from that other side of the room. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's terrible. I'm like, can you, Melo, can you shut his mic off? It would be the same exact thing happening right here. What was the question? I agree. He's killing me right here. It, it is, is this a one-year audition yeah. to see if this is going to work out for the Lakers? Are they going to like one another before going to Los Angeles together? He may not make it the whole season there. I just I just think anything with Russell Westbrook can bust uh, quickly and abruptly. I just like we said earlier, I just don't think he'll have uh, enough touches. And look, we know people get pissed off when they don't get when they don't touch the ball. They go home after that. If they can't touch the ball, they go home. No matter if you turn it over ten times a game or fifteen times a game, you can't dribble. You can't uh, can't dribble the ball. It, it just won't. I don't think it'll work. But being that what they gave up. A one-year rental, that's a one-year yeah. rental kind of price right there. Yeah, that, that's the thing. The price is really not a lot. Oladipo obviously wasn't fitting with Westbrook very well. Sabonis, yeah, he was okay in the limited action that he had. But if all I have to give up are those two guys, uh, I, I think that that's something that's definitely a price worth paying. It's two run-of-the-mill players for a superstar. And Paul George pre-injury, I believe he was one of the better players. Post-injury, he's still one of the better players, just – I don't know if he maybe lost a half a step in my opinion, but I still believe that he can be. And second year off of, off of an injury like he had, you never he could, could be one of the top players in, in the league again. Uh, I know y'all hit me with all, the, with all these questions. Uh, I I'm agree. A, I'm gonna get y'all one. Well, what exactly um. would we ask you? Being we're on a radio, a podcast, all right, so, sports radio. All right. So, oh my um, since the price was so low for Paul George, do y'all think the Oklahoma City Thunder is done yet? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, to to add other pieces, they're going to have to move some guys around. Um, they, they're paying a lot of money for Steven Adams. They have uh, a lot of different money that's tied up in other places. And, and here's the thing about Oklahoma City, man. Um, they could build a team. And, and look, Westbrook has one more year left on his deal. Paul George has one more year left on his deal. They could build all they want for next year. But it's hard to build long-term in Oklahoma City. But guess what? No one wants to live in Oklahoma City. So at the end of every contract, they're in danger of losing guys, just like they lost Kevin Durant this past season. Oklahoma City went to the Western Conference Finals. They were a very good team. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be a greener pasture, so to speak, because that's not a destination city. And, and people, I think, in my opinion, at least, are going to find excuses to not be there anymore. I mean, you guys could agree or disagree. I just don't think that's a place that NBA guys want to be. I, why wouldn't you want to play in front of that crowd? That's one of the best crowds in the NBA by far. I, I, now, the place, I've never been to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, so I can't tell you that. But just seeing from the television, watching the crowd, yeah. that's an unbelievable place to play. That's an unbelievable uh, fan base to play in front of, uh, unlike, unlike our city. In New Orleans, where we get five people to come out and watch the games, but Mott, what you think about that? Um, I yeah, agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> but my next thing is, I know Casey. We talked about um, last week about having a big three. So Paul George, Westbrook, who would that third player be? I know we still got there's no one on the floating around there. Would he be a third? I mean, I, he could be a, their third best player, but he doesn't make a big three, in my opinion. I mean, he, heck, he was Golden State's sixth or seventh best player. I mean, I, I just don't know that they have um, the leverage or the or the space to make that happen. And and 
you know, I guess sort of segueing more locally is speaking of uh, teams that are about to lose space. There's rumors out there that Drew Holiday is about to sign. Guys, listen to this. A five-year, $170 million deal to stay with the Pelicans. Um, <laughs> my thoughts on that are, are, are not necessarily in support of that deal because by signing Drew to that contract, the Pelicans are handcuffing themselves to we're going to have Davis, we're going to have Cousins, maybe for the future we're going to have Holiday, and we're going to have no room for anything else in the foreseeable future. Um, fellas, what are your thoughts? Look, we're, we're recording this on Friday. Things may change by the time this is posted, but we're going to assume now that the Pelicans have re-signed Drew Holiday. What would that mean for the future of this team? I feel like they are willingly signing themselves into a prison sentence. We're going to be locked into this. We can't succeed under this these terms. It, it's a very much dis, uh, disappointing signing, to my in my opinion. You know, we saw we got a half a pretty much a half a season dress rehearsal to see what Cousins, Holiday, and Davis could do. I know, I know a lot of them didn't stay healthy uh, to make that whole big, what we call the New Orleans big three. I guess that's a, an, a two good, uh, one good player and the other two are kind of average players. But I just, it's kind of, dis- it is it's really disappointing just being the fact that we're not going to have anything new and we kind of already saw it. And it's just, to me, it's just boring. You're trying to get more, we just talked about trying to get more fans in, in the building to to watch what uh, Alan Gentry calls basketball, it's just it's very disappointing. You hang like five, you got another five years, and that doesn't mean that Cousins doesn't walk after the season's over with. So it's just, Mott, I know you you got a soft spot for Dell Demps. Are you going to answer this question, um, or I- are you going to just go ahead and ask another question? The case <laughs> and I, is this Dell Demps' final? Just, that's, that's, is this his final move versus his final season? What, what do you think about it? I think, um, in my opinion, I don't think Dale Dempsey is going to last the whole season. Uh, I think this is going to come back and bite him. Um, if Drew Holiday doesn't pan out with all this money, Dale Dempsey is gone. Um, we still leave a big hole at the three, and that's that's the biggest hole we had at the end of the season, and he hasn't even addressed it yet. But why, why give him another offseason to – wreck your your franchise again I thought the writing was on the wall in the last season that he would be done with and why bring him back why give him another opportunity I have no idea that that is something that I ask myself all the time is you know the 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 knock is oh he's had bad luck guys have gotten hurt and, and you know he didn't have his coach he didn't hire Monty Williams and he's he hired Gentry Gentry's not working out and and I just don't understand. I mean, this guy's been here, you know, five, six, seven years, however long it's been. They've really not had any success to speak of. I don't know what it's going to take. And and is this maybe just a, a situation where Loomis and Benson just kind of don't care? They're, they're just kind of Saints guys, and as long as the Pelicans are just kind of there, they're happy? Is that a situation where I, I just feel like maybe they're just, the Pelicans are just sort of an afterthought as long as the Saints are, are pushing along and the Pelicans are not, you know, bankrupting, I don't know that they they have much of a um, there's not much of a sheriff to enforce the the rules of winning, so to speak. Okay, so they're you trying to tell me they're devoting more time to football than basketball? Yes. Then why are both teams terrible? <laughs> are we just not good at sports? Do they just need to get out? Does Tom Benson uh, does he know he's still alive at this point? That's a yeah. question that's worth asking based on some of the things that we've seen. But and look, you and I have talked about this a lot off the air. Is since Loomis has taken on both responsibilities of you know, okay, you're going to be the general manager of the football team. 
you're going to oversee the basketball team. That's whenever everything is sort of going to crap for both sides. That's when the start of the Saints' decline began. That's when the start of the Pelicans' decline began. And I really think, look, being a general manager of a pro sports team is really hard. That's long hours. It takes a lot of time and effort to ask Mickey Loomis to do both jobs. I think it's unfair to him. But more importantly than that, I think it's unfair to the season ticket holders of both teams because they're kind of getting a raw deal right now because they're getting a guy that just there's just not enough hours in the day to do both jobs. I I can't disagree with with that statement at all. The thing is, and I guess thinking about this thought that's about to come out of my brain, is you got to have a bench in the NBA to win. Now, the guys that just won the championship – very impressively didn't have much of a bench because they spent so much on their right. top roster. But it just seems like, all right, well, let's get a name. Everybody everybody kind of knows Drew Holiday? Yeah, okay, well, we'll have that meeting. We'll, we'll sign Drew Holiday. And you kind of know DeMarcus Cousins. Everybody knows Anthony Davis. We'll make sure we got these guys signed. And that, that should be good. Oh, we, just three out of five, That you know, that's the majority of what's going to start for our team. The rest, and, and the rest is just bad. It, it, it's not fun to watch. You got guys that semi play hard, and the, and the other guys just kind of go through the motions. You can't hit a three pointer. You got everybody, even when you pack it in the lane to stop the big guys, you can't kick out to anybody because there's no freaking there's shooters. No shooters. There are no shooters. That's a big problem that this team has. And, and here here's the the issue. And look, this always comes off like I'm, I'm hating on Anthony Davis or Boogie Cousins, and it's really not that way. But in today's NBA. The Golden State Warriors just won a championship with Zaza Pachulia at center. I don't know that that's a position you even really need anymore right now because you need guys that could space the floor and shoot. Even if you've got a dominant post player, he's getting you 30 points a game. There's always going to be that Curry and that Thompson or whoever it may be that's making three, and three's worth more than two. My, what are your thoughts about Do you think the center position now is devalued in today's game? Because I think it is. I know that... You know, in, in what I want for a center, I want a guy that blocks shots and could dunk. I don't host anymore because no one that's good does that. Well, you can Alvin Gentry doesn't uh, doesn't like that kind of basketball. Uh, then why did they sign Ashik and Agensa? I <laughs> I guess I'm gonna agree with that because um, I was uh, I liked Ashik coming in from Houston, but uh, he didn't produce on the court, man, and. That's I mean I, gotta, I can't I, gotta, I can't disagree with that. I right. got a hard hitting question that Casey I'm gonna steal from you because you was about to ask it but you stopped. Right, Mott, do you think three is better than two? I think it's good for the game. Three is definitely better than two. <laughs> how long? How long in the Mott household did it figure out that it, that Omar Asik was just not working out for the Pelicans? Probably after about three games. Okay. So here's some math I want to bounce off of you guys, okay? Drew Holiday is is reportedly considering a five-year, $170 million deal with the Pelicans. Blake Griffin is reportedly staying with the Clippers on a five-year, $173 million deal. I've watched a lot of Drew Holiday. i watched a lot of Blake Griffin. Why in the hell are those two guys making the same amount of money? Why are the Pelicans paying Drew Holiday the same amount that the Clippers are paying Blake Griffin? These are not players that are even on the same stratosphere. Blake is much better than Drew Holiday is. At what? At at being from Los Angeles and being marketable? I think, think, in my opinion... Drew Holiday is a better basketball player than Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin can't oh, no. shoot. He can't shoot. Oh, he doesn't man. play defense. He fouls out 
You're wrong. And Blake uh, Drew Holiday. What, is, what does Blake Griffin do as a basketball scoring player? Scoring the ball. Drew Holiday we, averages where? 14 points and six assists per game. Blake Griffin averages more than 20 points per game for his career. Blake Griffin outside the lane. They both get hurt really shoot. well. <laughs> they, they <do laughs> that, that's income. one thing that they have Bruh, in common. Dunk the ball. And look, he, all he could do is dunk. That's fine. What can Drew Holiday do? Why is he not getting buckets if he's this diverse scorer? Why is he only averaging 14 no, points a game? Trust me. I'm very much not saying he's the diverse scorer at any point. But Blake Griffin is a is terrible. I, I, I can't say terrible the game of basketball because he's obviously in the NBA. Right. But he's not a very good NBA player, right? At this point in his career, he's not a very good player. Okay, so so I guess the, the argument I'm making is this. is last offseason, I was told nonstop on social media, not by anybody in this room, but on social media, I was, I was talking about, okay, the, the, the Rockets got Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson signed a four-year, $80 million deal. Eric Gordon signed a four-year, $60 million deal. I was told those guys were overpriced. Five and 170 for Drew Holiday? I am in no way saying they deserve the money. But if you're getting paid, if, you, if you're going to receive that check, somebody thinks you worth that money. Oh, I would accept the check if I'm Drew Holiday. But if I'm trying to build a basketball team, I, I could probably think, wouldn't getting three or four guys and splitting that 170 up in that, in that slot be better than one Drew Holiday? Let me ask you a question. Would you put Bobby Cox uh, coaching your Bantam football team? Probably not. That's how I feel about these decisions. You got different sport people making different sport uh, decisions. That's why it doesn't work. That's why you're paying somebody that's average, an average point guard five year, $170 million over five years. No, they yeah. don't know their worth. Same reason they, signed, they just overpaid Drew Brees. Okay, yeah, he's done something, but he's not doing anything now. So you're still going to pay him a, a big-time contract? I, I can't disagree with that. And I guess sort of the last thing on the Pelicans talk, um, the clock is ticking. You know, they've got to please Anthony Davis. So I'm going to ask two questions to both of you guys, a simple yes or no. Will Boogie Cousins be a Pelican two seasons from now? No. No? No. No? Will Anthony Davis be a Pelican five seasons from now? No. I got to say yes because he's the, he's like Drew Brees. They're going to pay him. Unless he really, really hates New Orleans, which I do, they're not going to leave. He's not going to leave because they're going to give him everything he wants because, hey, look, hey, we know Anthony Davis. He's ours. Okay, so now a follow-up question on that. If Anthony Davis leaves New Orleans, will this team be here 10 years from now? We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to have an NBA basketball team. We, we, we just don't. There's no support. And, look, I don't, I don't blame people from that don't live in New Orleans. Who would want to go to New Orleans? You have a, a – a 65% chance of survival once you get out of your vehicle. <laughs> who the hell wants to go do – who would deal with that? Listen, it's it's like any other Louisiana sport. Uh, you have a lot of fair-weather fans. No. Yes. Yes, please. No. Please don't give me that. Yeah. There's a lot of fair-weather fans, man. I mean, who's all calling for Paul Maneri's head? The guy made it to the – Omaha, all right? World Series. You mean the fans in the state that is 50th in education are not smart? <laughs> Forty ninth. My apologies. We are better than Mississippi at everything. I okay. I got you. But yeah, no, yeah, I agree with you. I'm being, I'm being a smart ass, obviously. But yeah, no, I, I don't see it. I think that, I think they're going to lose Cousins. I think they're going to lose Davis. And I think ultimately, when Tom Benson passes, I think they're going to lose the team. And that's unfortunate. 
but we just don't have a basketball culture that supports an, an NBA team. 41 games a year is a lot, and I, I just don't see it. I really don't see it. You know, it's crazy to think because from the youth level of basketball up to, um, I want to not even say college because they really don't support LSU basketball that much yet, which we'll get into later. Yes. Uh, Tulane's not very uh, much supported. But at high school level, high school basketball is still huge in the state. It, it's weird. I guess it is. 41 games, that's a lot to ask that people is to a go lot. to. Plus the preseason. And plus you got games against nobody's that really nobody wants to go see, which is what we go see because it's pretty much cheap tickets and we're cheapos. But. And that's the thing. A lot of those 41 games are not worthwhile. But we'll take our next commercial break. We're going to continue with NBA talk throughout the summer. This thing is not going to die down at any point in time. Heck, we had a lot of things written on the board. We didn't even touch a lot of them. But anyway, we have a special guest here in studio. Stephen Lyons is going to be joining us. He's doing some wonderful things, y'all. So we'll take a quick break. You're listening to some podcasting here on One More Round Studios in Golden Meadow. We'll be right back after this. If you're in the market for a screen printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And we're live here at the One More Round Studios. Casey Just Claire here. Uh, we have a very special guest in studio today, professional boxer Stephen Lyons. Stephen, how you doing, man? Flipping amazing, guy. Yeah, uh, Stephen, I know you, you're staying busy, uh, rocking and rolling with your career. You look to be in really good shape. What are some of the things you're working on right now, man? I'm um, working on my roundness, uh, trying to uh, be round, you know. Uh, no, really, though, uh, I'm just working on uh, getting back to the community. I want uh, these kids to be involved. I want people to get involved with uh, the create the you know recreation the recreation of the children the 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 growing of the children like we just send them off to schools but we can teach them we have a place for it we need people to uh to be involved with the situation if we want the kids to grow strong you know and better we need to be involved in the community to help these kids grow it's a good segue and I understand you got Tigers Pride Gym and the Cutoff Youth Center what are some of the things that you're doing there? I know you said you're trying to give back to the kids. What are some of the, the objectives you have working out of the gym? Uh, I'll start with the name, uh, the Tigers Pride. It came uh, because, you know, my boy, one of my boys gave me the name uh, Tigers Pride because uh, a tiger, they usually run in solo groups. So if a tiger had a pride, you know what I'm saying, it would be, it'd be a pretty strong thing, you know. And when you have a you know, it, that's what it's about. It's about we want strength. We all want to be, you know, the tiger don't attack every animal that's around. But, you know, they all understand his presence. He ain't got to say nothing, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool, man. And, and 
we're all coaches in here. A lot of us coach youth basketball and, you know, whatever it may be. And I ask coaches this all the time is when you have that kid that is struggling to do something and then that first time when they do it and they get that big, bright smile, that's got to be an unbelievable feeling for you. It is great. It is, it's a good thing. Uh, you you got to be patient with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's what the goal. Do what, what are you really after with it? You know, you got to have that that focus on what you you know what you trying to get out of the situation. That's what's you know what's the, what, what are your intentions out of the situation with with everything? We're here in the one more round studio. Stephen Lyons joining us in studio. Stephen, how big are you, man? What what you weighing right now? You look to be in pretty good shape. I mean, you know, uh, probably about two hundred pounds. Uh, I don't really. You know, I, I just I just work out, man, and uh, you know I focus on what my passion is. My passion is something that was given to me by Damien. You know, they gave me the opportunity to 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 recreate myself. You know what I mean? Like to you know to understand myself in a better way because you know and that just made me feel good. And I feel like if I don't give back, then who will? Right, right. What are some of your strengths as a fighter, Steven? When you're in that ring, what are some of the things that you're counting on happening when you're in the ring? Uh, my main goal when I'm inside of the ring is to protect myself at all times. You know, and that's the thing about fighting. Like, most people didn't understand when I was fighting. You know, they would wonder, like, why you don't knock them out? It's like, because I wasn't always trying to, like, it's a, com- it's a competition. It wasn't a, a big brawly thing to me. Like, I had intellect, but I didn't know how to to express it. So when I learned the technical side of fighting, it became, you know, more of a a, a, a mental and an aggressive thing at the same time, you know? And then I understood, like, you know, sometimes you want it, sometimes, you know, it's it's a, it's a lot to deal with. Very good. And what's your professional record, man? Um, three and one is a professional right now. D, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to hit on that professional record of three and one. Give us a, a little rundown. For the people that don't know uh, how your professional career got started, and you did something kind of impressive in your last fight, went on the road and got a win. That's hard to do in the boxing game. Well, you know, uh, when you you grow up in, the, in something, you know, and you get put in front of situations, you know, like I just said a minute ago, heat draws out that BS, you know what I'm saying? And when you, you, you keep getting heat, like even though you're losing, it seems like, man, I'll never get up. I never get down, you know what I'm saying? You got to remember those people that would say, you know, like, like you know, I would always remember Rocky D. You know what I'm saying? He would say, uh, be water. Anytime I'd be, you know, we'd be chilling or whatever, he would always see be water. And I, I, like, I never really understood that. But when it came to time, like, I would, like, after training so long, it was like I was fighting myself trying to win a fight, you know? Instead of getting understanding about fighting and just performing, it was a struggle because I didn't understand how to fight. You know, I had the I had the, the want for it. It was the technical side that I was missing, you know. So when I, when, I, when I mixed them up, it was all good. I ask this to every boxer or MMA person that we have. Um, what is the hardest and cleanest shot you've ever landed on somebody? The one where your face was wide open and I smacked it. <laughs> Who is that on? Whoever's standing in front of me. I'm going to get you one of them. I could tell a story real quick. I remember, I'm not going to mention any names because he's a friend of ours, but fighting an amateur fight, I can remember working Steven's corner and he hit a, a, a kid from home in the in the Golden Gloves and the kid's tooth flew over his head. Uh, he went spilling into the ropes after that and that, that was a pretty impressive blow. But Steven's, Steven's got, he's got some power. Whenever he's got his mind right, he's uh, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. 
Stephen, uh, what's it like working with the kids, man? I know that's got to be uh, a different thing. Um, I remember the first time I was at a bitty practice, it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, these kids are going to drive me nuts. So how do you keep them focused? As I know, you know, they're probably going 100 miles an hour, trying to punch the bags as hard as they can. How do you keep them focused on doing the right things? Well, the thing is, uh, I remember that, you know, I, it's, it's, it's difficult as a fighter to to perform without thinking about the possibilities. You have to think about all the possibilities that are before you. And I remember this time, me and Damien and all, we were in uh, Mississippi. And this guy, you know, he had, he was fighting and uh, he got beat to death, literally, like he died in the ring. And that played on my mind for a long time. It made me want to understand more about, you know, fighting and, you know, what we really, you know, what the goal was really about. Um, it, it's, it's like we all fighting, you know what I'm saying? We, but mostly we really fighting ourselves to know that we we all right, we protected that we can be that we can survive a blow. What are your goals? If I if I tell you right now, okay, I'll give you that dry erase marker. You could write anything on that board, and it's going to happen. What would be your goals for your fighting career? <laughs> to be the greatest fighter that ever lived. But I'm not going to do it inside of a ring, standing in front of a man. I'll do it by changing the world. That's a good answer. And, and in the immediate future, what are some of the things you're working on to make that a reality? I want the Tigers. I want the kids to to grow up understanding all fields and all aspects of life. Because when you when you teach them young, you know, it, a lot of times with the kids, what's fun about working with the kids is they want to learn, but you also have to listen to them. It's like a give-take thing. It's like, you know, right. it's you got to chill. You got to chill with them. You got to actually treat them like they mean something, you know? And that's the thing with everybody. Everybody wants to feel like they mean something to somebody, you know what I mean? And... Sometimes when somebody's silent to you, you know, and, and everybody's like, oh, technology, technology, it's, you know, we, we, we get, we lose focus sometimes. And, you know, like things are created and everything has a vent. And if you don't have anything to vent to, you know, it gets difficult to, to be. That's what, you know, that's the problem with us. You know, we, we, our only vent is opening our mouth. Some people don't know how to speak or, uh, you know, sometimes they speak and they just not heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right now. If I'm a mom or a dad or whoever that's listening to this saying, hey, I want my kid to be a part of this, what do they have to do to get a hold of you to make this happen? Um, cut off youth center. I mean, get in touch with the, the youth center. Talk to Ms. DeLynn. Uh, just come check it out. You come. I want you to be a part of it if you want. I mean, this ain't just for the kids. It's for I want everybody to be a part. I want everybody to, you know, come and, come and try it out. Don't like Everybody looks at fighting sometimes and think it's, it's all about fighting. But fighting is also about not fighting, you know? It's self-defense, and it's, you know, you might have to take something out one day, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody come to you, it's, it's you really not looking to fight with anybody. That's what any great fighter really knows. That's what Bruce Lee was talking about. Do you have any leads on when your next fight's going to be? My fight never stops. Yeah? Do you got anything for him, man? Yeah, Steven, give us a little rundown. I know you got a little special going on. Give us a rundown on prices and what times you're there, and... Let them know that if, if you just want to go work out, like you said, you mentioned self-defense. That's another thing people don't get about being at a boxing gym if you don't want to compete. That's something, is that a service that you offer if you just get in shape and just get your mind right? It's whatever you, it's, the doors are wide open. I want the youth center to be wide open for these people to come and express themselves. Come check it out. Come be a part of it. Help it grow. You have to, you know, you got to water the seed in order for it to be something. You know what I mean? Everybody, you can plant whatever you want. Um, the gym times will be 7 o'clock, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., however late you need. Whatever time you need, you want to come down there, this is for the community. 
So you you want to come in a come holler at your boy? Look, man, I think I speak on behalf of everybody. Thank you very much for doing that. That's a much needed service that you're providing to the community. The, the kids need a place to work out, stay in shape, and a lot of kids in the area need a role model as well. I think that's a great thing. They need mental growth. I don't I don't want them to just look at me as you know, hey, uh, I want you to really look at yourself and be okay with, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want, people need to know that it's okay. Very good. Hey, guys, we have anything else for Steven? Rick? Oh, I think that's about it. Cool. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming in. I would tell you, you are our first guest to come in studio. That's very much appreciated. You're always going to be our first here. At, uh, so thanks so much for spending some time with us. Uh, anytime, man. I'll take care. As Stephen Lyons here in the One More Round studios, uh, doing great things in his career. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to keep the train rolling. Hey, bro, let's go fishing. And Steve, we can't. That storm cracked all my lines and sunk my shallow. Shall what are we gonna do? And what about Max? Let's call Max him. Max? Yeah, to Gibson. Oh god. You don't wanna end up like these two cuyons and you're ready to fish. Look up Max Plays Ons on Facebook or at www.fishtidewater.com. Once again, that's Max Plays Ons. www.fishtidewater.com. And welcome back to the One More Round Studios. Casey Justclair here with Damien and Richie Mott. We want to thank Stephen Lyons for coming aboard and telling us about his Tiger's Pride gym at the Cutoff Youth Center. Professional boxer doing great things for the community. It's always great to see people have some success and then also give back. I mean, that's what it's all about. So we want to thank Stephen so much. He was the first guest to come in studio the first of many here in the future. We're going to talk from one Tigers pride to another Tigers pride where the LSU basketball team had a great day today. Great with a capital G. They got a commitment from five-star prospect Javante Smart. Um, We've seen this guy in the top 28 a couple of times. He is the first five-star commitment from Louisiana that they have gotten since Brandon Bass and Glenn Davis and those guys there. Um, I guess this is sort of a commitment that's based on blind faith and Javante's thinking that Will Wade's going to turn this program around. But, fellas, I I got the news whenever I was sitting at my desk at work and I literally sort of read the tweet and jumped out of my chair. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. I was not expecting this, I guess is what I'm getting at. He had a laundry list of offers, you know, the Kentuckys and, you know, the Kansases of the world. But this was a jolt of energy for a program that desperately needs a jolt of energy. And this, quite frankly, fired me up. Yeah, I was I was big time excited whenever I whenever I read the news myself. I mean, he could have picked any college in the country, and they would have gladly taken him. He was being recruited by, like you said, all the heavy hitters. Uh, Javante Smart, we've been lucky enough to see him the last couple of seasons. I've got a chance to watch him on film a couple a couple of times as well. This guy's a real deal. Uh, he's a playmaker. He plays right now at uh, Scotlandville High School. He was the 2016 Gatorade Player of the Year. Also a member of the under-16 Team USA that also won the gold medal, 22.7 points a game. And he's ranked uh, 21st right now overall in the class of 2018. He is a tremendous get and a skin on the wall, if you'd say, for Coach Will Wade in uh, in recruiting. We all knew coming from VCU that Will Wade was a a go-getter 
He wasn't going to slack like maybe some of the other previous coaches that, that we've had. He wasn't going to sit back and just wait. Will Wade did a tremendous job of getting him. And something that we talked about off air earlier is that he, and I mean he as in Javante Smart, he's not just coming by himself. He's right. going to work. He's going to work. He doesn't. He's not used to listen. As you can see him play at Scotlandville, you can see him play <laughs> in AAU. He plays with absolute studs around him. And he's not going to go to college and say, well, I'm going to be a one-man show now. You don't do that. If You're going to stack the talent around you. And coming in for a, a visit this weekend in Baton Rouge is going to be Naz Reed from New Jersey. And he's ranked 11 in the same class. That is big time. That's big time players for a program that's, you know, we'll get – you know, we'll get once once every 10 years. And now we're looking at Ben Simmons a couple years ago. Now we're looking at Javante Smart and possibly Naz Reed coming in. That's big time. That's big time for our program. My, what are your thoughts as you saw the, the, the news break that Smart was committed to be an LSU Tiger? Um, like Damian said, man, this is the biggest uh, commitment, obviously, since recent uh, Ben Simmons. Um, but Will Wade has to make this a, a common occurrence, man, to keep recruiting these kids. Uh, LSU was, I believe, 10 and 21 last year. And this season, I don't see it being much better. I hope it's a little bit more. But this 2018 2019 season is uh, definitely looking up, in my opinion. And I think all of us agree on that. Uh, we also have this kid from Oregon. Uh, he transferred over. Um, he's a big guy. We talked about him off air. I think he's 6'11. And, I mean, th- this is going to be a squad. I, I think 2018-2019 season, if if, if uh, LSU fans can just uh, hold their own for this, this coming up season, I, I think 2018-2019 is going to be a big season for LSU. Okay, so you're giving Will Wade a pass this season, being the, the pretty much the what the program's left right now? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, you're losing uh, Blake Guinea. You know, that's probably the best player from this last year's team, and he got there late, so he didn't have a chance to really uh, recruit very much. He salvaged the class. He got some late commitments, which I think are pretty good. And that's sort of that, – that's a really good segue. Is I, I want LSU fans to understand that, yeah, Javante Smart is a great guy to have and, and, and Big B. Williams is a great guy to have, but those guys are not going to be here next year. So if LSU wins – 10 games or 12 games or whatever it may be if they're 14 and 16 and they don't make the tournament fans need to understand and we talked about these same louisiana fans in in the first segment of the show they have to understand this is going to take a long time johnny jones let this thing sink to the bottom of the ocean it's going to take a while to get back to the surface and then to rise to the stratosphere this is not going to be an overnight thing I don't think the LSU basketball team is going to make the NCAA tournament next season. And if they do, then Will Wade is going to have done a miracle job coaching this team. I, I, to take, to take uh, Mr. Mott in the corners uh, saying, I agree. I just hope – I mean, it's not like LSU fans are, are, are big-time uh, phone chocks and saying, well, we got to make the tournament because it's just not used to happening. Not, not in basketball. Uh, you know, baseball just finished. Bas- uh, football is always in the tops, so you kind of get spoiled. Basketball, not so much. You get one of the supposedly one of the greatest players in in high school basketball history, and then he comes in and kind of doesn't play all that well. Find out he can't really shoot the ball. And Ben Simmons, after that, you know, he brought a couple guys with him, and then after that, we just kind of went down and worse and worse. 
Next year, I think the energy that Will Wade's going to bring to the program will will shine through. Maybe not in the, the wins and losses, but the programs, I, I believe the programs are very good hands at this point. So let me ask you a question, man, because you see a lot of high school basketball players around Louisiana. And for those that are not familiar with Will Wade, his style is this. They're going to press all game long. And when they finally do get the basketball from the opposing offense, they're going to push the ball down the floor. They're going to play very up-tempo. Um, uh, Trent Johnson was a guy that, that wanted to play games in the 60s. Johnny Jones was a little more up-tempo. He wanted to play games in the 70s. Will Wade's going to want to play games in the 80s and 90s. So based on what you see out of Louisiana high school talent, are there enough players of that quality in the state to support that style that LSU wants to play? Very much so. Because that, that, right now, that's the way that most basketball players are being trained, being bred to just uh, uh, up-tempo on defense, up-tempo on offense. And to be honest, it hides a lot of flaws in the game because if you could force 30 turnovers in the game, you never have to sit back and actually play basketball. You just play an athlete on athlete. And if you could do that and out-athlete people and not have to worry about the fundamentals of the game, which is probably what's – I'm not going to say probably, but that is what's being taught – uh, at, a, at a lower level or, uh, for the majority in the state, just get up and down the floor, out athlete, and find the five best kids you got and just stick with them. So and, let's be realistic, guys. Okay, so we, we know that this season, we sort of all are a consensus agreement that this year is not going to be the year. What is a successful year for LSU this coming season, guys? We'll start with you, Mott. Um, I believe if, if obviously, if Will Wade can, can do better than 10, I think he can. Uh, successful, in my opinion, for Will Wade, is a solid 15 wins. Okay, I, I agree with that, Damon. I'm going to say a, very, a successful season this season will be anything with a winning record or five, 500 or above. Uh, any coach at, any coach that should be coaching at that level should be able to scrounge out enough wins, enough lakes, being successful in late game situations that you should be able to pound out at least a 500 record. Okay, so let me tell a story. Whenever I was in college, I, I went to LSU, and at the time, Skip Burtman was the athletic director. And I was told I did a lot of uh, covering of the, the boys' and girls' basketball teams at the time. And uh, a an administrator with the athletic department told me at that time, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he said, basketball here is just something we do to pass the time between football and baseball. And I think that sort of speaks volumes as to the lack of success that LSU has had. Now there's a new AD, obviously, since then. Skip's not the AD. Joe Oliva is. And he comes from Duke, which is a basketball school. And they invested in Will Wade, and I understand that. Um, But is LSU basketball going to get the support that it needs administratively to turn itself around and become a top SEC program? As long as football is king in the state, I just don't see that happening because they just don't get. We talked about it, you know, early in the in the, uh, in the NBA uh, segment. They just don't get the support. Going to a few LSU basketball games over the past season, if they're not playing Kentucky or Florida, they're not packing. They pack the PMAC. They're not doing that. Right. They're gonna get a couple hundred fans as diehard of you know parents of players, friends of players, especially now that they're you know they're signing a couple of local kids. That helps helps with the attendance. You're gonna get the 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 diehard basketball fan in there just if you're not playing the same thing as the Pelicans you're not playing any big time team you're not going to get in there and just the, the revenue source is not great enough to focus attention on there I don't think they're going to neglect it I just don't think they're going to make that much of an out, outreach to be able to 
And like that, that doesn't make a program support. I, I don't know how to really say this. I guess financial yeah. support is not going to uh, win and lose games. So, Mod, is this mission impossible, or is this something that is capable of turning into something special? Um, I mean, we can start to see what what uh, Will Wade's doing, the the uh, impact he's having on on LSU basketball since he's been there. Um, I mean, just with just with I mean, like we said, Javante Smart, this kid from Oregon, um, they definitely doing good. Uh, he, he's he's producing big talent, and like we said earlier, if we can just tough out this this one season. I think 2018 is going to be a big season for LSU basketball. Yeah, I, it's hard to disagree with that. Now, we're into July now, which it's crazy to think that we're this close now already to football season. But the LSU football team is going to be opening summer camp here in the next couple of weeks, and they're going to be opening fall camp at the beginning of August, and they're going to be getting ready for the season opener against BYU. I got a chance to watch Danny Etling throw at the man in camp last week. He looked fine. He looked okay. He was very open uh, when talking to reporters and saying, you know, hey, I I wasn't very good last year, but the reason why I wasn't very good is because I could hardly get out of bed because my back was hurt. Um, If Etling performs at a level, if we are to believe that Etling is going to be better and you know that you have guys and you know that you have, you know, a pretty good receiving core and a new coordinator, a new coach in general and Coach O, what is the ceiling for this LSU football team? Could this be a special season? I know, granted, they've got an extra road SEC game. They're going at Florida. But what is the ceiling for these guys? Could this be a special year? I think the the prospect of having a special year is definitely on the table. I love Canada. Not the country. Blame Canada. The coordinator. <laughs> uh, I, think he's gonna, I think he is the missing piece that we have been searching for for the past decade. I don't think he's going to be handcuffed. I think he's going to be allowed to coach. I think Coach O is going to get the most out of him. And, and you know, partnering with Coach O and the defense, the way they performed last season, I don't see any downward spiral for the defense. It, look, I'm, I'm not – haven't been excited about LSU football in quite some time, but next season I'm, 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 on, I'm on board. Do you share that optimism, Mott? Yeah, I do. I mean um, – I'm a big Coach O fan. Uh, I like Danny Etling. And even if he doesn't succeed, man, I mean, just the guys that he has behind him. Uh, Narcisse, I think this kid's a a major athlete. And I think he's actually going to end up being the starter, in my opinion, before the end of the season. Dude, you really think that Narcisse is going to jump over Miles Brennan? You really think that? I do. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just My, my concern with Narcisse is – we hear all this hype, man, Narcisse is, is this wonderful player. He doesn't have any tape. He's been hurt his entire high school career. That's kind of what, like, I'm not overly disagreeing with you. It's just that's what concerns me is we really haven't seen him play very much. We don't have anything other than hype about him. I mean, we don't have any tape. All we have is hearsay, obviously, from the coaching staff. And, I mean, they, again, like you said, it's hype. But if if they're high on him, I'm high on him. I trust LSU's coaching staff today. Um, I couldn't say the same thing at this time last year, but right now I do. Yeah, no, that's fair. Now, with Matt Canada on board, um, the Tigers are going to change their offense significantly. Gone are the days of two tight ends and a fullback, and we're going to run into the brick wall no matter how strong the brick wall is. Um, 
I actually, because I'm a nerd and I don't have much of a life, I watched a lot of Pitts games last year to see what this offense is going to be like. There's going to be a lot of um, sweeps to the receivers, a lot of shifts. It's going to be all shotgun spread out, single back sets. What is that going to do? I I feel like um, LSU is shifting from the 1970s back to 2017. What is the ability to maybe play modern offense going to do to this team? Because I, I feel like with the athletes LSU has and with what they've been handcuffed by over the last few years, I think this is a situation where they could maybe soar and score an awful lot of points. You mean use your athletes the way they're meant to be used and we will be successful? I mean, that sounds like a winning recipe to me. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I don't understand why. Um, and look, I mean, I'm not going to try to get inside of Les Miles' head, but, but why, why didn't he evolve from this was it loyalty to cam cameron was it stupidity that he thought that his system was the best but i mean he was using dial-up internet everyone else was using you know high-speed cable internet why couldn't he see that this was the stupidest thing that could possibly be done that's the million dollar question i don't understand it's been years you would think you know you would see the beginning of the season well it's kind of doing this as soon as a mistake would happen they would go back to the three yards in a cloud of dust Offense, the everyone loved the short side option. Oh uh, yeah, that was a real fan dive. Favorite. That's that's just that no look. It totally turned me off from football. I, I there's not much football I watch now. When Coach O took over, I did. Uh, you know, I was I was kind of back back on the bandwagon. They say I don't consider myself a bandwagon fan. I just if I don't like something, I'm just not gonna watch it. I'm not a blind supporter. Uh, it, I think that's just being stubborn. I think he was just being a really hard-headed coach. Look, this is going to work. It worked for me here. It worked for me here. And look, most of the time, the, the guy won. Yeah. But it yeah. just got old, and everybody knows what you're doing. You're not – if everybody in the building knows what you're doing, not that hard to figure out. That's a Mott line, but you understand that? <laughs> so, no. Go I, ahead, Mott. Go ahead. I understand. Um, I mean, it's an ego thing. I, I think these, these big coaches have egos. Uh, let's just look at what recently happened in the last couple of days with Phil Jackson. I mean, he's stuck in the triangle. Do y'all ever see the triangle running again in the in, in today's NBA? I don't think so. So, I mean, it's just an ego thing, man. These guys, you, you got to adapt to today's game, whether it be football or basketball or whatever it is. And, and I, I guess, um, and I heard, I, I'm, I'm totally stealing this from Matt Moscona, so I'm going to give credit where it's due, but... When you're trying to slay a giant like Alabama, which is what LSU is trying to do, there are two ways to approach it. And one is to try to become a similar giant to Alabama and be better than them at their own game. And then the second way is to come up with something completely different and just kind of trick them. And right now in college football, uh, there's this big uh, push towards we're going to pay the head coach $10 million a year and we're going to give him all this power. LSU is doing the exact opposite. They're paying Coach O $3 million a year, and they're paying their coordinators a ton of money. And I feel like they're sort of taking the opposite approach, empowering the assistants, trying to build a super staff. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to have so much money invested in their assistants. I think that might be the way that they ultimately dethrone the beast. That's the only way to do it, because if you if you shortchange the assistants, that's a year to three year deal that they're going to be gone. But if you're paying them, Pretty much what a, a, of an average school's head coach would be making, they're not going anywhere. 
So right. if they're good, they like working under Coach O, who is – and you talk about big coach and ego. I don't believe he has that ego because he allows his assistant coaches to actually do what they're there to do. And he's not overstepping his boundaries. He said that multiple times, that he's learned since his last stint as a head coach to let his coaches coach. And I think that's going to be a tremendous asset to this season and what LSU is going to be able to accomplish. I agree. So, so, <laughs> so, Athlon came out with some coaching rankings, and they ranked Coach O as the one before last worst coach in the SEC, 13th out of 14th. I don't put any stock into these rankings because they had Dan Mullen, the second best coach in the SEC, and for my dollar, Dan Mullen is terrible. He won five games last year, including a loss to Coach O at that. Well, Les Miles was still the coach at that time, but including a loss to LSU. So there are all these fans and these message board guys and you know the Twitter folks and whatever it may be that are saying, LSU just hired a guy that has below 500 for his career. And I know we're a little bit biased because he's from where we're from. But seeing some of the success he's having, he's recruiting well. He's getting top guys to commit to the program. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not concerned about Coach O at all. I don't care what he did at Ole Miss. I don't care what he did, you know, in other places. He won at USC when he had a, ch- a shot there. He won at LSU last year. I think he's going to be just fine. I, 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 I'm, I'm with that. I just don't understand. A guy that's had half a season, you can't base uh, – I guess everybody's in rankings. And, look, we're talking about it, so I guess they did their job because who the hell reads Athlon anymore? Right. Anyway, it's a fantasy football magazine to me. But – you can't rate a guy on one half season. Give the guy a chance. He he, everything he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. You got to give him a full season to to be able to evaluate what he's doing. He did decently the previous half season and went without without any prior knowledge of that him ha- that he was going to have the job. He didn't have his, his coaches and staff on staff. He didn't you know his players weren't maybe in the right position. But you could tell towards the end of the season that it, it, the players love him. The players absolutely love the guy and because they give him a chance to succeed and not just hide behind, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. So what's a successful year? I'm going to bounce this off both of you guys. They've got 12 games in a regular season. Uh, I'm not going to ask you all to forecast a bowl game or anything like that, but just in the 12-game season, you're going at Alabama, you're going at Florida. Those are the SEC East and West champions. You're opening the year with BYU. How many wins does LSU need to get football-wise for you guys to be satisfied? Might start with you. Uh, successful wise, I say ten wins. Ten, uh, ten and two. Ten and two, and the definite wins that that obviously I think Coach O is going to go for is Alabama and Florida. Florida because of that bad loss we had last season, and uh, I think he's coming out strong in that game. So I'm gonna go with ten and two. Okay, so and, and I guess my question to bounce off of you is is if they're beating Alabama and Florida, who are the two teams they're going to lose to? Because I I feel like if you beat Alabama and Florida but lose to a powder puff team, fans would maybe be more angry than if they just beat everybody else and lost to Alabama and Florida. Now, I see Damian nodding. Do you sort of agree with that line of thought? Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see where this question is going to lead to. <laughs> I mean, we all know LSU is inconsistent. That's just right. LSU football. Um, so that's Miles football, not you're LSU gonna, football. You're going to lose to a team that, you, that you're supposed to win against. That's I mean, you have South Carolina – um, Muschamp, in my opinion, he's a great coach. So, I mean, that's – and you always have a sleeper in there. 
Okay. So yeah. we, lo- we lose to South Carolina. Is, is that where we at in this point in life? <laughs> is South Carolina on our schedule next season? Mike, can we pull this up? Are we playing South Carolina next season? The stat, man. Come on, Mike. <laughs> pull it up. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for listening. It's been a great show. But before we sign off, the 4th of July is on Tuesday. Um, it's obviously a great time. Everybody spend the time with their friends and their family. Mod, do you have any special plans other than researching whether LSU's playing South Carolina? Well, I definitely need to look at the schedule because uh, I didn't at all. <laughs> I don't think LSU is playing South Carolina next season. That's why I'm giving you so much hell about it. Damien, what are your Fourth of July plans? Oh man, gotta love America, right? Give us the opportunity to be able to do stuff like this and have a two-man podcast. <laughs> um, Fourth of July plans, one of my favorite holidays of the year. You always get to have a couple cold ones, go out there and with the family, get a little barbecue on, sweat your tail off. That's 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 America, right? Yeah. Gotta put on right. my red, white, and blue socks, shoes, hat, shirt, shorts, everything. Let's roll. Okay, now the the thing I do every Fourth of July is I watch the hot dog eating contest. So, my, what is the most food you have ever eaten in one sitting? South um, Carolina. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in South Carolina once, and they actually had a Happy Gardens three. Okay, and what what did you eat there? What does everyone eat at Happy Gardens? The noodles, the wonton. On Fourth of July, that's what we're coming out with. Yeah, we're definitely gonna eat Chinese on Independence Day. Damien was. You asked the question. What was the most I've ever eaten? Not the one on Fourth of July. (laughs) Listen, man, I'm a big guy, and I used to be even bigger. Um, listen, I lost a bet that is gonna allow me to eat the Bobby J special. The, uh, oh, the challenge, which is eight hamburgers plus fries. I think I could do that. My previous best. Oh, I don't know, man. You don't know? Eight ham. Oh, that's a lot. Hold uh, you. Listen, I challenge anyone to come watch. I think uh, me and Coach Pokey from South LaFouche, I think we both lost that bet, so we both can be doing that challenge at the same time. They're making up the rules as they go, those guys that you're betting with. All right, so most I've ever eaten had to be I guess we're going to a different nationality. Poncho's Mexican Buffet has to be 4th of July, and you're coming out with Cinco de Mayo. Good grief. I, I don't have an answer for this. I'm trying to think what is the most I've ever It may have been this city. past week in Vegas. I think I ate for 24 hours straight. You know what the most I've ever eaten? And speaking of the guy that you made that bet with, when we went to Gloucester, Mississippi, I ate for about three days straight, nonstop. And that's every meal. And that's in between meals, candies and snacks and everything like that. You know that that feeling for sure. I think that's the most I've ever eaten in my life. That That's pretty close to mine as well. Anyway, we want to thank everybody for listening. And most importantly, we want to thank uh, Stephen Lyons for coming in the studio, spending some time with us, Tiger's Pride Gym out at the Cutoff Youth Center. Uh, we're, we're going to be rock and rolling throughout the summer. I know that this is kind of a quiet time for everybody in the sports world. It's not a quiet time for us. We're going to be talking about uh, some more LSU football as they get ready to start their season. High school football is going to be revving up. We're going to get Coach Forsyth. I got the South LaFouche helmet right in front of me. Uh, we're going to be getting a lot of local coaches here to come aboard. And um, I want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to sign off here. Happy Independence Day to everybody. Thanks to all the veterans for serving the country. Good night, guys. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again. Just my children and my wife I thank 
my lucky stars to be living here today cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away and I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me and I gladly defend her still today cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA from the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston And New York to L.A. Well, there's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say That I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the man who died Who gave that right to me And I'm glad Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land